Welcome to the Go World podcast. This is Kate Mercer and it's my pleasure today to be talking with Jayshree Kulkarni all about women's mental health. Jayshree Kulkarni was appointed Professor of Psychiatry at the Alfred and Monash University in 2002. Since then she has founded and now directs a large psychiatric research group, the Monash Alfred Psychiatry Research Centre, which has over 160 staff covering seven different research streams and uh, they've conducted over 100 clinical trials. Professor Kulkarni graduated from Monash Medical School in Melbourne, Australia, and she initially worked in emergency medicine and then decided to go on to become a psychiatrist. She became a fellow at the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Psychiatrists in 1989 and was awarded a PhD from Monash University in 1997 for her thesis, Woman and Psychosis. Professor Kulkarni became a fellow of the prestigious Australian Academy of Health and Medical Sciences in 2016. Women's mental health is Professor Kulkarni's major area of interest in research. She is the current president of the International Association for Women's Mental Health, working in the field of women's mental health and developing specific treatments that are tailored to suit women's needs biologically, socially and psychologically. Her work has been published in many national and international peer-reviewed publications. To date, Professor Kulkarni has authored in excess of 200 papers, 23 book chapters and 40 other publications. Welcome to the Go Well program, Jayshree Kulkarni. Thank you very much for having me. Now, I know this is a really big question, but why is women's mental health worse due to COVID restrictions? Well, really it's important that we go back a step and think about what was going on between or a comparison between men's health, mental health and women's mental health before the pandemic. And what we find is that, in fact, even before the pandemic, women were experiencing twice as much depression, about four times as much anxiety disorders and a big range of difference in the huge difference between men and women experiencing deliberate self-harm and in the other direction, men having a more presentations with alcohol and drugs of uh, addiction. So that was kind of the setup before we got into the pandemic. Then with the pandemic, things just got worse and exploded even more. So now what we're finding is that the huge differences are that women are experiencing much more anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders and depression. Men are also experiencing uh, substance abuse problems with alcohol and drugs of addiction, but then women are also experiencing more alcohol. So it's really uh, taken a difference and exploded it. And when we think about why, why are women experiencing more mental ill health or mental stress or mental distress, it really, the answers lie somewhere in, in the social determinants of health, mental health, as well as biology. So women, in terms of social factors, are really experiencing great difficulties with the economic downturn for women due to COVID. So particularly the casual workforce where women predominate is really affected by the pandemic. So there's many more women who have lost their jobs. And that, of course, leads to increased distress, problems with housing and so on. But also uh, it, ha it has uh, increased the gender pay gap. So women are earning less. And this has, you know, businesses that are run by women have particularly been battered by the pandemic. So all of these social issues have made things worse. 
plus also the increased burden of caring for the young and the elderly during the pandemic, so homeschooling and so on, has predominantly fallen to women. And that's been an increased workload, as well as trying to work from home. So we take the biological issues that were already there, so menopause relating to mental health issues, premenstrual depression, postnatal depression, these sorts of things were already there and uh, then you add the social factors onto that. So I think that's the long answer as to why things are worse. The other, of course, important part is violence against women and lockdown in a household where there is a violent situation is just awful for the mental health of women and we've seen that escalate over this period of time. It's just so, so hard listening to everything that you're saying. But, of course, we need to understand these things and shine a light on them so we can do something about them. And obviously on the Go Well program, we're always trying to find solutions and look at the positive sides. So thanks for explaining. And I I think we can all, as women or men, um, perhaps um, relate to all of the things that you're saying there. So let's start with the systems. What systems are currently in place that are working well are there any that are actually reaching the women that need help and what still needs to be done so i think at this point it'd be important to divide up the issues that people are facing Mm. into several kinds of considerations and maybe look at it from a spectrum perspective Mm -hmm. so there are people who are experiencing let's say the milder consequences of the pandemic and the lockdown and all the related bits and pieces. So these are people, probably a broad group of the general community, who are frustrated, annoyed, you know, struggling with the fact that they're not able to have social activities as they wish and perhaps the increased stress of having to provide homeschooling for children and worrying about elderly parents and so on. Let's assume that this is a group who are in the milder mental health issues. Now here, there are many solutions that are actually very worthwhile for people to remember that they have access to, and they do fall into the sorts of things that your uh, listeners would be very interested in, which is the taking care of self. And in this situation, this is the making the best of the new world that people find themselves in, So such things as uh, looking at healthy lifestyles so that you control the amount of alcohol, you actually are aware of uh, how much junk food you're eating and trying to do things that are positive for your mental health, like, for example, the meditation side of things, yoga, enjoying mindfulness in the broad sense of the word, not necessarily having to be the expert in mindfulness, but even just enjoying something like a piece of good art or taking up a new craft or a hobby. You know, there's lots of things that people do who are experiencing that stress. And we often talk about things like just just taking the time to decompress, to actually write down three or four things every day that you can take uh, heart from, that you feel grateful for, or that, you know, sometimes people have said, just write down five things every day that didn't totally suck. <laughs> you know, um, that's that sort of thing is really helpful because you, know, you can have, have these things that lift your spirit. And that's if you're not experiencing uh, actual depression, anxiety, and that, that type of mental ill health. 
then then you move into the next bit and this is possibly the difficult bit because sometimes people take those frustrations and the the things that they've been struggling with in in lockdown or, or in other situations and they haven't actually looked after themselves particularly well and then it started to get worse so it's impairing sleep it's impairing concentration impairing memory and so on and and now the person is starting to experience perhaps anxiety uh, and depression so this is be the time to actually talk to your primary healthcare practitioner or any other practitioner that you're involved and engaged with, your psychologist or counsellor or naturopath, whoever, about how you're feeling. Because sometimes even in that first instance of putting into words how you're feeling will enable you to move forward. It enables you to take control over some of these things. And it can be that that conversation you know, with whoever you feel comfortable with, and may not maybe a health practitioner, it may not be, it might be a, a trusted friend or family member, is a really important step. And so this is why things like Are You OK Day, are, for example, really important because it, it encourages people to just ask the question, put it in words. The minute you can put things in words, then you are actually in a better situation. So for women, it's particularly important because um, by a natural set of events, women are better at social networking or want to be networked by and large. And in fact, some people have talked about that talk hungry, that conversation hungry feeling that when they haven't actually had enough social mm. uh, outlet, mm. that that's, that's something that, pre- that preys heavily on more women than men. Mm. So you know, again, it's important to set it up, even if you can't go and visit people, set up conversations, whether it's by telephone, whether it's by Zoom meetings, whatever it is, you know, that conversation is really important. And if you're a, if you're a young mum stuck at home with, you know, lots of children of school age that you're trying to provide homeschooling for, but you can't get out and catch up with your normal group of women or um, others that you'd normally decompress with, then that's a big issue for you. So you have to think about how you set up something. So that's that's a really important bit in the people who are now starting to feel like mm, something's not quite right here. But look out for the, the warning signs, which is when sleep is really going off. Not just once, not just twice, but on a regular basis, that your sleep cycle is disturbed because that's telling us that something biologically different is going on unless there's something obvious like somebody's just playing loud music for some unknown reason at, at night but if it's not nothing like that if your own biological rhythms are starting to be disrupted then you know that you're going to have to do something about that yeah. similarly with your own eating rhythms so look for the biological rhythms and when they start to get disrupted or your cognition that's your capacity to function in an intellectual way, if that's disrupted, then you need to think about, okay, maybe I need to get in touch with a health professional. Mm, okay, I might before we go on to the, the higher stage, I might just interrupt you there and just open up that a little bit because I think most of us will be experiencing uh, sleep issues. Not, I know I am, certainly. And I find that some of the things that are really helping me get through uh, of course going outside walking a lot but also routine is that is that something you suggest to people you see 
Absolutely. You know, this is part of having control over your environment because when we lose control, and that's what the pandemic and all of this is, it's not in your control. You can't tell governments what to do. You can't, you know, get the virus under control per se. So we are not in control. And that leads us to feel overwhelmed and anxious. Being out of control equals anxiety. So things that you can do that bring things back under your control and particularly having a daily schedule or having mm. a ritual, you know, is what mm. you do. So if you're going out to work in an office, you would get up you at a certain time, you'd get dressed in a certain way, you'd get into public transport or car or whatever it is and get there. And then you'd have your ritual at your at your workplace. You'd have a cup of coffee, you'd chat to somebody. So these are all important rituals because they give us like almost like the grappling hooks to climb up the mountain. You do this, you do this, you do this. Mm. When you take all that away mm. in, in lockdown, it makes people feel absolutely lost. Mm. And so what you're saying is absolutely correct. You've got to then, you know, set up a different set of rituals or different set of timetabling um, so that you've got a day that doesn't just aimlessly drift along or worse, end up on a couch watching, you mm. know, junk TV program after junk TV program and then do nothing because that will make you feel really awful. So, yes, definitely, please structure your day, structure your being. You know, it's important to have a shower every day or, or, you know, whatever your normal ritual is. Mm. Yeah, it's important to do that because then that will make you feel more normal and more like yourself. Mm. And the other thing I picked up that you said there was talk to a trusted friend, which I think is really interesting. I know you said as well to talk to, uh, you know, people in allied health and professionals or psychologists, counsellors, etc. I guess if you're the friend, what sorts of things should we be saying to each other? Because, I mean, we all seem to have these conversations that steer so quickly into either vaccinations or the latest numbers. Yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I, you know, many times people have said things like, right, I'm not going to talk about anything to do with COVID. But you know what happens is it's almost like if you say you can't do this, then guess what you want to do? So It's, it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It is. It is. And so I just think, okay, what people are looking for in these conversations are several things. They're looking for venting venting frustrations and being with a trusted friend means you can say the dumbest thing that you're thinking of because they're not going to think badly of you mm. because they know you and you trust them mm. so I, I think we've we've all had those moments of absolute kind of weird thoughts and it is important to voice that because what you get back is a reflection and this is one of the things that people who are living completely on their own and are isolated from everything have described that their thoughts go round and round in their own head and they haven't got mm. that reflection back like, nah, don't be silly, that's not going to happen, the world's not going to end. Mm. You know, I mean, I've, I've even heard some of the most bizarre things like, oh, the government's trying to get people vaccinated because it'll kill off a lot of the population. And, you know, we're trying to control populations because of global warming. I mean, what? <laughs> so, you know, that's that's an example of when somebody else will say, nah, that's wrong. And you need that. You mm. need that because otherwise, you know, there's so much stuff in social media and the mm. general media mm. that goes out without 
capacity to think, is that true? And if you're absolutely sitting there on the couch absorbing huge amounts of, of, of information and you haven't got a person to reflect it with, then you are likely to absorb stuff whether you realise it or not. Mm. And that can make you feel bad. So venting, expressing what you might think is some of the weirdest uh, ideas or thoughts that are popping into your head are really critical. The other thing in the conversations is obviously the connection. You know, we, we're not good at being complete hermits, most of us. Some of us like it, but most of us are not great at being complete hermits. And human beings generally like to be social creatures. So having the networks means that you don't feel like you're cut off from everybody and everything. And that's another reason for setting up those conversations as well. And when you talk about whatever it is that you're talking about, it doesn't really need a lot of rules. I think that's when people sort of start to flounder and, and, the, and the conversations become artificial. Like today, we're going to talk about only interesting things. Well, you know, if your life at the moment is that you're stuck in a house with children that you're doing homeschooling with and you, you're not allowed into your workplace and, and really there's not a lot, your world has become very small. And what fabulously interesting thing are you going to talk about? Well, what you can talk about is how you're feeling, and that is important for the other people in the conversation to hear, to reflect back, to contain, and to share. And that's the essence of good psychotherapy, but with an untrained therapist, of course. So, you know, I think that's really critical that people have those networks, particularly women really need that. Yeah. You also mentioned putting fear into words. Yes, very important. I mean, we've all had that kind of sometimes sense of just, you know, I feel really anxious and scared and I'm just not sure why. And when you actually stop, think, you analyse your, your gut feeling or your physiological feeling, like your legs are a bit jelly-like or, you, you know, you, you just feel tense, you can feel yourself gritting your teeth or your fists are clenching. And when you actually think through what it is, that you're worrying about, what you're thinking, if you can actually pin that down and explain that, you often find that those physical symptoms subside. And that's the power of putting feelings in words, putting fears particularly in words. And I come back to it. Sometimes the fears, people are scared to voice fears because they feel like the other person will laugh at them or they'll, they won't get it or um, if or worse, they get into the sense of if I voice this fear, then it will happen. You know, mm. the worst will happen. Mm. That's a bit magical thinking. Mm. But, you know, again, mm. it is the other way. It's really important to put fears into words because the power of that fear diminishes mm. incredibly. Wow. God, amazing to talk to you and have you on the program. There's so much I, I want to ask you. What about on the uh, the systems level and uh, coming back to some of these harder, we didn't get to sort of the, the more severe mental health issues. How are they, what, would you, what, what do you want to say? Obviously, there's a lot of new things that probably have to happen to help some of these people now. What's What can you tell us about that area and how they're... Yeah, so- I think we're, we're all kind of, um, you know, hoping that the, it, it, and we call this the missing middle group. And what I'm talking about is the group who, not the people with severe mental ill health, they are struggling, but they've got systems in place because they've already always had systems mm-hmm. in place, be it 
that you know we agree that there should be more resourcing of those systems but mm. there's something for them mm. and then you've got the group that let's call them mild but they're dealing with stuff by all these things that we're we're talking about they may need more assistance but they're dealing with stuff mm. got the missing middle and the missing is because this is a group who normally are not there normally they're in the mild group and they're dealing with stuff mm. but they've yeah. transitioned into the middle more moderate mental ill health group so they're now experiencing biological depression or anxiety or other conditions and it's gone beyond those sorts of self-help things that they've normally used to work and why they're missing is because the problem is here that the resources and the treatments and the systems are a bit missing because normally that group are not there and we've had a we've had a large number of people mm. presenting mm. for help and it's how do we help these particular individuals now if you've got private health insurance then you're in a slightly better position because there are more resources that you can actually uh, access such as private psychology private other um, counseling and so on but if you haven't got private health then this is this is an issue because you're not sick enough to be in the public system which is where, you know, there's, there's tightly uh, resourced facilities for people with full-blown mental ill health conditions. Mm. So yeah. that's, that's what we're trying to see if we can get some more resourcing for. And the other side of that, of course, is preventing people from slipping into that middle uh, or mm. moderate mental ill health group. So the sorts of work you're doing with having the discussions about what kinds of self-help things can be done is really important because, you know, we don't want people to transition from the mild into the moderate mental ill health groups. So really critical to take a preventative strategy here, but also that, you know, again, we do hope that there are going to be more resources for more counselling, more clinical services, more allied health professional and primary healthcare practitioners to be able to help, that's your GP, with the moderate kinds of mental health problems. Mm. Well, we've covered a lot in the show. We're going to, sort of coming to a screaming end actually here, unfortunately. <laughs> I might even see if I can get you back on at a, on a later program because I know you've got so much you can offer. I'd like to just, uh, with my final question, for these people that are in that mental group at the moment, aside from the lifestyle things they can do for themselves, if they're not that type of person, I guess a lot of people are online these days. Do you advocate or uh, suggest... Uh, any of the apps or is there anything like that that you could suggest even right now that people could go to? I know that I've interviewed people before, particularly with eating disorders, uh, Media Smart, and they're having a lot of success uh, with people with that sort of disorder with these apps. So in this group, can you, I mean, I guess through these, uh, you know, uh, Black Dog Institute, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, how, how are they, are they offering different th- things, do you know, to this group? Yeah, they are offering different things and, of course, they've stepped up um, lifeline counselling and, and, and Beyond Blue and so on. Beyond Blue is not actually a therapeutic agency itself, but it's, it's a broker, and I guess. And mm. So there are a number of different online services. But I think that the, the um, if we talk about people who are kind of in the middle group, that really your primary healthcare practitioner is a good idea because then you can try and get some access to clinical counselling, which can happen online itself. Mm. So as well as the apps, there are mindfulness apps which are useful. There are anxiety, understanding anxiety type apps as well. So 
having a having a good GP is really important. Mm. But I would suggest that do some do some some sort of if you like take your own temperature in a mental health way. Ask yourself how much you're drinking. Ask yourself how much you're actually doing a self-reflection of how am I feeling. Ask yourself, do the are you okay for yourself and for your family and friends because putting things in words might just do several things. It might decrease what you're going through but it also might offer you that more clear picture of what you need to do next. So I would suggest that there's a whole lot of things that, that you can do. And let's all hang in there because the human spirit is incredibly resilient too. Let's mm. not forget that. And also on that, that's all about sharing your burden as well, isn't it? Absolutely. Networking is really important. Mm, yeah. Well, look, thank you. Thank you so, so much for everything. Lots, lots there. So thanks so much for coming on the program. And as I said, I'd love to get you back on. Jay Shri Kulkarni. <laughs> thanks very much. 